so what's new, John? What's new with you? I don't want to talk about new stuff. I want to talk about follow-up. Follow-up. Okay. I was just trying to said, be nice. I you mean, said we didn't do any follow-up. We didn't do enough follow-up. Well, I just think we're missing opportunities to revisit and like make corrections and all that kind of stuff. Oh. Well, mine's not a correction. I just I really like the story of badges. We don't need our, we don't need no stinking badges. It, oh, okay. So because yeah, we what, were so what we th- we thought it was Blazing Saddles, but that wasn't which it was it was in Blazing Saddles, right? It was, yeah. but it was it was a parody or callback to an earlier movie that came out in 1948. Apparently, um, it was as and that movie was based on a book, and the book was called The Treasure of Sierra Madre, whatever that means. <laughs> and the, the the original quote came from here's the lines that set that up, and this was in the book, the novel, so I can't read it because the novel actually curses. But it says, uh, "If you if you are the police, where are your badges? Let's see them." And then the guy goes, badges to X with badges. We have no badges. <laughs> In fact, we don't need badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. You, I can't go any. <laughs> it's, it's a, um, it's a, a curse word laden sentence in the I mean, book. La- last week we got the actual audio clip from the movie. And this, this week we get a live <laughs> rendering from John DeSantiago. So in the movie, it was, it was tamed down to, if you're the police, then where are your badges? And then the, the response is badges. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. So they got it got changed to that. Yeah. Um, and then of course, Blazing Saddles, of course, further reduced it down to badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Yeah. Which is still my favorite. Right. I just saw something you might be interested in, John. Are you on um, iMessage or anything? Um, I can be. Where are you? I know I have you in here. Just a little little thing for you. All right, any other follow-up? Um, I have some self-follow-up. Um, when we were talking about the NA14 outage, I know I've lost you now. I've I lost know. John. He's he's checked out. I was just there. How come he, And I was talking about whiskey. Why didn't he tell me about this? I don't know. He's going to have pappies. I need you to come back, John. Focus on the light. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> anyway, this is just a minor thing, but when we were talking about the NA14 outage, I kept—I I actually thought that the original data center was in Washington State, but it was not. It was in D.C. I, at least I think I was saying Washington State, but I don't remember. It was—it was actually D.C. Yeah. So that uh, was your follow-up. That was my follow-up. I'm sure we had others. I didn't do a good job of uh, combing through the, or nor did I take good notes throughout the week from our uh, Slack team. But I'm sure there was some stuff. Yeah. What do we want to start with? Um, so I, I got a kind of question for you. Okay. Well, it's not really a question. It's a statement. And the way I wrote it... Wrote You're gonna it tell, John's going to tell me something, everybody. Are right, you ready? Okay, go. Tell me <laughs> so, something, John. I think... Tell me something good. <laughs> I'm, just gonna stare. I'm gonna go back to the whiskey <laughs> list. Go back to the whiskey. Oh, come on. Let's go. People are waiting. They're... <laughs> So maybe it's a segment idea, but it, I want to call it rude, justified, or am I too sensitive? And this was this is about Joomla. You remember Joomla? I do. It's it's a CMS, right? Yeah. PHP. Uh, back in the day, it was competing heavily with WordPress, and I I think decidedly WordPress won out. I mean, Joomla's still around; it's still being used, but I think oh, yeah. in terms of pop culture, WordPress is. And I also I also don't think it ever surpassed Drupal. I think Drupal always was mm-hmm. bigger. I don't know. Drupal was, uh, in my 
opinion was more it was it could be a little bit more difficult but it was more powerful like the right. the way you could extend it, the APIs and things but I'm sure everyone people would argue with that but that was my perception yeah so so the reason I brought it up is because someone asked me a question you know we're starting to get into doing some more Pardot stuff Pardo, Pardo if you prefer which is it by the way Pardot. does anyone know yes it was confirmed Pardot Pardot yeah it's a silly name okay it's a I need to go back to those notes, but it's a word. It means something. I think it means sales or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's a different language okay. word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I, I, I did, did a quick search on Joomla because I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's web technologies. It's a CMS. I haven't done anything with it recently, but yeah, you know, we should be able to embed a frame or form or post or whatever we need to do with it. Um, so then I just did a quickest search because I want to see if they had any extensions or anything for it. That will shortcut, you know, the experience. And so I'm on their forums, and at the top of it, it says forum rules, and it's big and red. And it says this. It says, it's got an arrow pointing to the beginner's guide of Joomla, and it says, please read before posting. This means you. Mm. And I emphasize you because it's all caps. And then uh, below this... it, it says, if you are serious about wanting help, you will use this tool to help you post. And it's this forum post assistant. And, and so I'm, like, I'm just kind of like, this is rude. It, it, so, so my question is, is it justified? Is it rude, or am I just being too sensitive here? <laughs> Got a bee in your bonnet, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where else do you, I mean, you're going for help, you're asking questions, and then the community itself is saying, hey, if you're going to be an idiot and not look stuff up, and you know, Stack Exchange is kind of similar in that, you know, with all the moderation and everything, if you don't ask your question the right way, they'll kick it out, or they'll downvote it, or whatever. And so but, I think that kind of leads to a, an area where you, you're almost afraid to ask a question. And, and this is something that I know the Stack Overflow team has always struggled with and it and their community in general really. Because you want it you want to, you want the conversation to be of good quality. You don't want it, your whole forum to be just a total crap show. Right. And so what do you do? I mean, you can't have people coming in and just posting questions with no filter. They haven't looked anything up. They don't even they're not even phrasing their question right or they you know they have obviously haven't done the basics to even try to help themselves. And that same question's already been asked a hundred times. Mm-hmm. They simply just haven't Googled it, you know. Um, but on the other hand, you don't want people to be so scared to post, like you just said, that that you know people with actually really good questions are just scared to post because you know everyone has yeah. what's it, you know, inferiority complex or whatever. Um, it's about it's hard, it's tough. I mean, I think Stack Overflow does a pretty good job. Um, I think so. You, they let you post as long as you have enough. There's some minimum number of points, but you know you can ask a question. Um, it might pretty quickly get um, closed down because it's a duplicate or. Or people might jump in and fix your question and edit it and, you know, yeah. whatever that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, the so. moderation is really good with that. I just, right. So, yeah, I just, I just thought I'd bring it up because I wasn't sure how to take that. Do you have a quick answer? Do you think it's rude, justified, or I'm just too sensitive? Um, I, I see why that kind of bothered you. It, it is a little bothering, but I think you're being a little picky. Just ask your damn question and get on with it. <laughs> Don't be so sensitive, John. So I'm too sensitive. Did was, is that not a safe space for you? That side, John. Did you? Do we need a trigger warning for John? It, it did trigger, and um, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, I I do get sensitive about wording and things like that, especially when things are all caps at me. Got to be sensitive to you too. To you had a big deal about people who sent emails. I think it was you. That were all in all caps. Like it was just their default. For some reason, they sent emails in all caps. Maybe it was you. Well, that's yeah. That's just. Uh, I mean, people still do that. That's unbelievable. 
It's rude, right? That's I mean, yelling. That's it is. And, well, it's not. It, I don't care about the yelling thing. It's just hard to read, and it's just, and it's just it. It shows a level of just tone deafness. Yeah, of of someone. It's How could a, you possibly do this and think that that looks right? Maybe they have poor eyesight and they like all the, the all caps because it's easier to read. That's well, that's the the funny part about it is that it's not easier to read. <laughs> I mean, the, the overall, the letters may be bigger, but they're actually harder for your brain to chop them up into words and sentences. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about um, sites that use all caps for titles and things like that. I mean, there is a place in, in stylizing small phrases, right, with all caps. And there's like, you know, the small caps thing. That's another thing, right, where they're all caps, oh. but, but the capitalized ones are actually a little taller. I mean, there's, but that's, you know, if you're not in, an artist, then probably don't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that. Uh, do All you want right. to get into this whole Google Oracle thing? Because you, you, as soon as you heard about it, when I said that's huge, it it is it is huge. Um, although I'm not sure how much you know our audience would care about it, but we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, do you want me to? Yeah. Lead it? Okay. So there's been a fairly long-standing lawsuit um, uh, against. Google from Oracle. Right. So Oracle has been suing Google. It all goes back to Android and the fact that Android is based on Java. It's not Java technically. It's similar to Java. I mean, it's the language, like I guess, Java, is extremely sim- similar, but the runtime run like is, is not a Java VM. It's, it's a Dalvik. They call it Dalvik mm-hmm. is the name of the VM. Um, the APIs are extremely similar. In some cases, a lot of cases, just identical. I mean, it's designed to. I mean, you can take. There's a lot of Java code that you could take and it probably immediately compile it on on Android. Well, if you ask me, and someone said, "Well, what's what's Android?" in, I, I would say Java. Probably incorrectly, but I'd say Java. And, and a lot of people do. But but you know, if I'm being pedantic about it, I would correct you and say, "No, it's not Java. It's you know whatever, whatever they call it." <laughs> um. So Oracle owns Java. They got it when they bought Sun Microsystems years ago, eight, eight years ago or six years ago. I'm not sure how somewhere in that time frame. They you know they inherited Java with that, and Sun had before the acquisition. Sun had started the process of open sourcing Java. So Java was always basically free to use, right? Um, free to download. I mean, there was a license agreement that I think you if you wanted. Sun's or yeah, Sun's virtual machine, um, which is called so- uh, Hotspot. That's the kind of the brand name of their implementation of the Java virtual machine spec, which is the one that probably the most popular. But that nowadays there's there's there are others and and well, really, I mean, always. You know, I think IBM's always had one. Microsoft had one. Yeah. Um, there's you've been Apple. several. There's I think Azul. Uh, yeah, Azul Systems has you know. A high performance, you know, virtual machine with really specific, you know, runtime properties right. that are for certain types of tasks and things like that. Different garbage collection and whatever. Um, but Sun had started the process of of actually open sourcing. Um, I think the virtual machine, mm-hmm. um, most of the tools, um, the libraries, and so they started this open like Open JDK project, so Open Java Development Kit, and. You know, it took them a while. Um, they actually did it in pieces um, because they there was so much code in the in their source code 
their private source code for Java that was actually licensed from other companies. Right? So you'd need an image you know, processing library. Well, they probably don't want to do it from scratch, so they would, right. they would license someone else's code and build that into the Java virtual machine. So they had to go through this you know, painstaking, probably very expensive, probably one reason why Sun was <laughs> not making any money and, and got bought for like $6 billion which is small considering, you know, such a fall from Sun's glory days right. of the of the early internet. But um, they were in that process. They had open-sourced a lot of it. And, and, and at this point, now, I mean, I think for a long time now, OpenJDK has been pretty much, I don't want to say done, but, I mean, you can, like, the, for a long time now, OpenJDK has been a complete um, implementation virtual machine, right, of Java. And a lot of people use it. Um, Oracle still releases... You know, hotspot, um, which is not open source, I don't think. And the one that most people have on their computers probably it's probably Oracle's hotspot. That's what I that's what I have. I also have OpenJDK, but I generally don't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but on Linux, a lot of times I'll use OpenJDK. So it just kind of depends. Some on some vert, on some uh, distributions, it's easier to get one than the other. And I think they're both available via the package repos. So it's, right. you can kind of get either, but. Um, so you so again, Java. It's I mean it's copyrighted, but it's um, it's open it's open source. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the licensing is on it. Um, Sun's always had this Cuddle license. I can't remember what it stands. CDDL. Can't remember what it stands for. But anyway, so basically what you know that's kind of just some background there. But basically what An- what Google did with Android was they this is their story, right? They took the Java API, so, you know, the packages, the class, or not a subset of, of Java, mm-hmm. the packages, the classes, the methods, the interfaces, all those sorts of things. Not the implementation, just the interfaces, just the API. Right. And they basically re-implemented their own, you know, quote, Java, but it's not really called Java, I guess. Um, and uh, that's how, and- that was what Android was based on. And technically, there should be nothing against the law about this. I mean, I think since 1992, there was like a landmark decision that um, computer interfaces are not, are not, um, I guess, copyrightable. Is, is it copyright or is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's copyright. It'd be copyright, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, your interface can't be a specification that can be copyrighted and, you know, can't prevent other people from making the same interface. The implementation, though, it, you can, right? So... You know, the fact that the string class has, you know, 52 methods is not something you can copyright, but the implementation behind that is is copyrightable, the code that implements that interface. But, you know, uh, Google's argument this whole time has been that, well, we didn't, you know, we just copied the interface. We didn't actually copy the source code, the implementation. Right. Now, there are there are examples in Android, and this has come up in the, in the, in the court discovery process, of literally copy and paste implementation from from some of the java source code. So there there are some examples and but is that is that true copy and paste or is it just that was the best way to the most optimal way of, of I, implementing that? even even defenders of Google admit that mm. the certain those certain bits were copy and paste. Um but I I think overall though I think that like the vast majority of it was not was not copied. Um, Oracle's also got this thing they call TCK. It's the test compatibility kit. What that's for is if you want to, say, create your own Java virtual machine for, you know, the stamp. 
I'm going to run Java on it. You're going to create your own virtual machine. You can implement Java. I mean, because they, you know, again, Java is actually a language and a platform with a specification. Imagine that. <laughs> and you can implement that specification and run on whatever weird hardware you have, some processor or whatever, you know, some screwball phone. Uh, you can implement it on whatever you want. Imagine and if, and if you want to call that Java, so there are there are some bits here, right? There's some there's some aspects. If you want to call something Java, you actually have to license the TCK. You, you have to run the TCK on your implementation, and it has to, which is again, it's like thousands of tests and all kinds of stuff. And you know, see, so in licensing the TCK involves, you know, that's a fee, right? Mm-hmm. So you do have to pay Oracle a fee for that. But then you have to, you know, the t- the t- your system has to pass the TCK, and then you can call it Java. You can actually say this is a Java implementation. But if you don't license the TCK, if it doesn't pass, you can't call it Java. Well, Google talked about internally. They, you know, this emails got surfaced. They discussed should we be should we uh, license, you know, or Java from from Google, and 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 you know, it's kind of damning because basically the the conclusion of this email thread is well, we probably should license this from. Oracle, but we're not going to. But I don't really think that's damning, damning because whoever made that conclusion, I mean, that doesn't mean they were right, just because that's what they thought. I mean, right. they're not the judge, right? They're, in, they're just that was just their opinion. Um, but since they are, since they don't call it Java, and they don't give a crap if it passes the TCK, and they didn't, for the most part, copy the source code, then they shouldn't have to license anything. And Oracle, you know, some people think Oracle's just been a big bully, right? They're, so they're, they sued, you know, this long-standing lawsuit's been going on for years. I think it has had a chilling effect uh, to some degree. I mean, because if, if Oracle were to win this, that would have disastrous ripple effects through all over the so- all over the world. I mean, this the yeah. I would say I was going to say just the software ecosystem, but I mean, it just, just what, in the open source. What doesn't alone, affect so- what business right? is not affected by software, or is it using different software that is either Java or something similar where they they took the, an API and reimplemented it or what? I mean, this is just everywhere, right? This would be disastrous. Um, Again, not just for the Android ecosystem and Google, but just for you know all industries. I mean, imagine just within the Android ecosystem, uh, you've got it, it's not just Google that okay. Was Google going to pay nine billion dollars? I mean, I, I guess you know they they probably can pay nine billion. Yeah, I don't know what how much cash they have, but I'm sure it's plenty. Um, but uh, you know, Google, uh, Oracle could have gone after uh, Android phone makers because they are installing. Illegally installing a basically a stolen mm-hmm. operating system, uh, they could go after people writing software for Android phones. And in fact, just because Oracle lost uh, lost this round, I mean, there could be. I think there can be more appeals, and there probably will be. But just because they lost this round, and if any, even if they ultimately do lose, they can still go after these other aspects of the levels of the Android ecosystem. Why would you not go after these giant phone makers? Yeah, that's still a possibility here. So. This is not done. This is not a done deal. Right. But I mean, it's a, it, it's $9 billion. It's a huge, that's a huge num- a number to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's giant, right? So. But it, I mean, it's not the but, money though, right? It's, it's, it's really about the ramifications of, of, you know, if it were to proceed and, and all those kind of things about that you mentioned in terms of the the copyright laws, op- what I think is the open source community, because this really was done based on open source technologies. You mean Android? Right. Um. Yeah, well, an- Android is open source. Is that what you mean? 
Well, they they took the open source Java. No, they did not. The interfaces. Well, yeah, but that's right. Interfaces are are published in documentation, right? So they're they're not even. They don't even I mean, even before Java was open source, you still had the you still could look at the documentation and see all the interfaces. I mean, the, the interfaces were actually part of the Java spec. So, wasn't necessarily open source at the time. So the argument of the code that they kind of copied and pasted wasn't was an open source code. That was yeah. That was an argument that it was that was not open source. Okay. Um. Yeah. I was under the impression that the code or, that they were that they that they did have they said was open source. Or, and, or it might have been a situation where the, yeah the source was available because OpenJDK was already in process. The source was available, but that doesn't mean you have a license to copy it. There's there's a difference, and th- that gets into what open source means. For example, I mean. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of, of Google for years now with Android that they call it open source. Mm-hmm. But, and this was early on, I don't know if this is still the case, but it really wasn't an open source model. So they would, they would you know, go back to the Google headquarters and Mountain View and you know, work on the next version of Android, you know, Cupcake or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to think <laughs> what the earlier ones. And, and then when, they were, when it was ready, they would release the source. They would make the source available. But that's not open source. That's not doing your work. That's not, I mean, when you talk about open source software, that generally implies like you do the work in public. People see commits as it's happening. Nowadays, you know, pull requests should be at least entertained. Um, issues can be filed as, as things go along, all that kind of stuff. If, if you just, once you're done, dump the source out. Well, okay, you've made the source available, but that's, and, and that might have a li- that might have an Apache license or, or a GPL license, which you can go and do something with that. But it's still, and some people think that that makes it open source. Well, it, right. again, that depends on what you think open source is. But certainly, what it wasn't they didn't follow the the development op, the open development model of open source. They might now. They might be better at it. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so back to what was your question? So like we were talking about the, the parts that they copied. Yeah, or because was that, this centered around the Java API. Which is the interface, right. and that's well. That's Google's argument. Is, hey, we we just re-implemented your API, which is right. which is legal. Now, Oracle's argument not only was it, not only did Oracle argue that there were some parts that, of the implementation that were copied, but Oracle argued that they didn't have a right to re-implement the API. Which, again, that kind of would have been an overturn of existing precedent, and in, in, in the American legal system, you know, precedent or precedence is is huge. Well, that I mean, if if we think it through. Like you said, it could have ripple effects had this gone through, or even if it gets appealed. Apex is based on Java. In fact, it's sit on top of Java. Well, um, even and probably even more. Uh, well, that's a good point, actually. And also, I mean, think about. I mean, Salesforce is basically 100% Java. Well, I don't want to say 100%. You know, they've always been. It's substantially built on Java. It's. I don't want to say it's all Java because it's that's not probably the case. Um, certainly. You know, the vast majority of Salesforce is, is based on the JVM. So, you know, mainly Java. I know they. I know some groups are doing Scala, which mm-hmm. is a language that runs on Salesforce but, or on uh, the JVM. But yeah, I mean, something like this could have what could have affected Salesforce. And you know, or I mean, Salesforce is uh, one of the biggest you know pains in the ass for Oracle. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's say Oracle loses this lawsuit against, um, you know, well, if they won, right, and then they could go to people like Salesforce and say, hey. I don't think that would affect well, Salesforce. Probably Salesforce probably does license not, Java. I don't know that they do. Why would they? Well, uh, I don't think they do. Because they don't have their own... They're not calling Apex they, Java. They haven't implemented their own virtual machine that they're calling that they're calling the, the Salesforce Java virtual machine. 
God, I, I'd, I'd love it if they would, and that would be, you know, we could run our code <laughs> on that, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if they did do something like that, then they would be in big trouble if Oracle were to win that lawsuit against Google. Because that basically just gives them a, a pass to go to everyone who has done something similar and just say, pay up. Yeah. You, and what are your, you know, what are you going to tell them? Well, uh, you know, you have to sue me. Well, okay, that'd be easy. You file a lawsuit and it gets, you get a summary judgment. You don't even have to go to court. Because there's precedent. Right. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a huge thing in the software business. This was huge news. Beat that one up. Yeah, we did. That was good, though. We never really got into AWS, did we? In terms we of... We kind of briefly talked about it. Um, the whole Salesforce, Amazon. you know, partnering with AWS. I think AWS. I'm almost tired of it because that's... So that was this, a couple weeks ago, but... It was a couple weeks ago, but everyone's still... I mean, well, not everyone, meaning the media that covers tech, is, is still talking about it and analyzing it and talking about how it's a loss for Microsoft and Oracle because Amazon got this business and how it's a big win for... Amazon, and then also it's a big win for Salesforce because they get to diversify their cloud technology into this public cloud, and uh, it goes on and on and on. It's funny. <laughs> but it's virtual bits at this point, isn't it? Nothing's actually happened other than an announcement that they're going to start using these technologies. Oh, I, I, I don't know. So I, I read that there are already, um, Salesforce has already been running more of their things. In fact, didn't they already announce that IoT? That Before this, they announced that IoT would be on AWS, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's still... Um, Heroku pilot are, beta. Heroku completely runs on AWS. I, I bet you there have been other part things that Salesforce has chosen to run on AWS. Maybe you know some kind of offline processes or whatever. Um, it's just it's so convenient to have that you know to spin up massive amounts of compute power for a few hours to do some job and then shut it. I mean Salesforce, I don't think has that. I mean I don't know. Maybe they're running their own massive you know big Citrix or a uh, VMware shop or something. I don't know what they run. So maybe they can do that internally. But I mean, the, the fact that, you know, you can just shut it all down and you don't own that stuff anymore. You're, it's, you're not, you know, those boxes aren't taking up space on your racks and using your power and all that stuff. It's, that's pretty powerful. It and, is, and but now, you're, now you're beholden to <clears throat> the Amazon pricing model. I'm assuming they have some really have good contract. contracts. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is all contracted out. It's just like the people that own this floor here. I mean, they, they, they have a 15-year lease. You don't you don't go into something like that and sign a year to year contract and be stuck with them. Unlike Salesforce's customers who are all stuck on Salesforce because they bought into a proprietary <laughs> Roach motel of cloud computing. But you don't have to deal with managing your own cloud system. You don't have to deal with with managing your own no, application except, architecture. I have to deal with managing Salesforce now. Forty percent price increases, you know, up performance that goes up and down all the time. And I don't I don't get any answers to. It. I can't. I don't know anything about. It. I just know that some days I can get a bunch of work done, and some days I actually can't get much done. Yeah, that's what that's what I have to deal with now. Of course, now we have to think back in time because our internet's been kind of crappy here in this office. So, was it Salesforce or was it our internet? Well, I always I always have a, a monitoring thing going on that I can look if I if something's going slow. I'll immediately look at that and see if I've got you know latency issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, well, like today you were you you said uh, you noticed the internet was kind of messing up. And I was like, you know what? I would have no idea because I'm working on a mobile app that's running completely on my computer. And I really don't care if the internet is a little bit slow right now. <laughs> it's, it's nice. Well, you're, you're building a mobile app that you weren't at, well, for this particular module, you, you didn't have it connected to anything. Right. Yeah. But yeah. 
but yeah. you had that option. You oh, yeah. could, you could Com- virtualize your data model all, yeah. locally. Right. And that's what I was doing. I yeah. stubbed out the you know, the API calls and I'm just, you know, I'm cutting things up, testing, compiling, refreshing. Which sounds so fun. It's it's very it's it's really <laughs> I mean, I've gotten so much today. Uh, so much done today. Yeah. Just very you, you can know. iterate. Yeah, fast. Iterate, iterate. All right, so so there's not much, I guess, more to say. I mean, the AWS thing. So I think Salesforce. I think the idea was they're mainly going to use it, be, uh, be using it for international expansion. I mean, Salesforce just doesn't have the what do you call it, the um, critical mass, right? In I don't know, pick some random, you know, Eastern Europe or Russia, or I, I don't know where they want to expand to, where they don't have. They have a data center in Germany, right? So currently, yeah. that's probably serving all of Europe. That might not be ideal. Maybe, I think more than likely, that's what it is. Is Amazon is leveraging Amazon where it's available to be able to put their right. Their, yeah, it's not data center, but they're what their pods. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, maybe if they can re-engineer some of this, and they're talking about moving, you know, the cell stuff that has uh, run on Salesforce's data center since day one, Sales Cloud, right? I mean, just the core things they're starting. They're talking about moving a lot of that stuff to over to that now. In the like, in the old data centers, like the American data centers. <clears throat> Are they going to move that over to AWS for sales cloud? I don't know. That if it if this whole if this program works really well really well, they may come back and say, okay, let's let's look at moving some of our old data in our American data centers onto AWS because it's so much better or whatever. But I mean, the thing is, is and I think Mark made some comment that you're still when you especially at a large level like that, mm-hmm. Salesforce is that. I mean, you know, their compute needs are probably fairly large overall compared to the yeah. average, right? And anytime you have a fairly large, you know, requirement like that, it's you're probably going to pay more to have someone else do it for you, right? Right. Um, but it's not just about the. There's more to it than just cost, right? What does my What does my Skype status say? People always I always forget it's here. People remind me, the bitterness of low quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten, right? So it's yeah. not just about price. I mean, you don't want to go with the the cheapest, right? It's about the overall value, and obviously Salesforce has realized that. Letting someone else do this may be more valuable to them. Well, I mean, they've been they've been selling that to other companies, and they're yeah. like, you know what, this might work for us too. Maybe they won't have a data center meltdown. On I, again. I think it's just diversification. I mean, in, instead of you know solely owning it and becoming the the central center point of failure, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to have the option to switch over. On, I, I don't even know if this is even possible, but it, it, if it is possible, is it possible to say, you know, hey, we don't have enough data centers. For failover, can we use Amazon for failover? Right. Yeah. I mean, why run, just run your HP Superpod in uh, in AWS? Is that possible? I don't, I, don't, I don't think they. I don't think Superpod is one of their uh, <laughs> one of their <laughs> well, just, compute. Uh, yeah, I mean, sizes <laughs> as their data center needs grow. I mean, you kind of have to have a duplicate of that option. And if you're not able to build two data centers at once, could Amazon be that other data center? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's really this is implementation details. They're important. They're they're especially important when you know when well, the, they're important when, when to us the, now because we had such a big outage. When the, yeah, when the stuff hits the fan, right? Yeah. That's when that's when you actually care. Like, well, where the hell is their data center? Who runs that data center? That, that's you know you weren't asking before, but now all of a sudden you know you think you you know Mister Expert Data Center and you're gonna you're gonna figure <laughs> out how they could have done it better, right? And it's perfect. Salesforce is, is this the timing of this is is all too perfect because it, you know of course the immediate question is well how do you stop this from happening what are you doing you know all this kind of stuff and now everyone's talking about this whole diversification of their cloud platform and their infrastructure and it's it's a hopeful conversation 
which is odd. It's odd. You think you think the conversation would be, ha ha, look, they failed at this and now they're going to let someone else do it. But it's not. No, it's, it's they, this, they failed and lost five hours of customer data and their stock price goes up. <laughs> it's odd. It's only data. Salesforce. Only Salesforce it's is data. that possible. Then, well, that's what happens when you're set up the way Salesforce now is I'm double kicking it's, it's the type of stock they have. not buying at 40 because it's double oh, yeah, now. Yeah. It's double now. Right. Could have doubled my money. You just you don't know when that bubble is going to pop. I know. And it's, you know, it's hard to look at some of these tech growth stocks that are, it's hard to look at them and, and not see a bubble. It's just, you know, the question is, can you, can you catch up enough to prevent that bubble from popping or well, can you get out just in time? Oh, well, absolutely. Right. So where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? We're going to go. I don't know, John. You know, every year we talk about diversifying our uh, conference attendance, going to something non-Salesforce related, talk to other developers, you know, just really just kind of immerse ourselves in development culture. Talk to people, network. Yeah. Um, So uh, the information published a list of events that you should attend. Who should attend? Developers. Okay. <laughs> tech conferences, I should say. Tech. Tech. Um, so they, they actually broke up the list in two ways. You know, events where more people are saying they're going to go to this and at events where people are saying, you know, I'm probably going to skip this. Um, Salesforce or Dreamforce actually made the list this year. So this is the first year they've been included on this list. So there's no previous year ranking. Um, but oh, next year we should have a previous year ranking to see how that's trending. Okay. You know, is are more people attending? Or are they, you know, are more people opting out? Um, the top of the rank is. Now, do they tell you what the factors are like? Um, I didn't really go into that yeah. much detail. I just how far you have to walk. I know the hotel costs, how good yeah. the food is, no, they didn't how good looking the hookers are. But that probably factors <laughs> into why some people are saying they're going to skip it. Okay. Or you know, it could be other things. It could be that it's gotten too political or something. I don't know. Or there's some controversy going on that that causes people to skip it, which right. happened recently with um, South by Southwest. What was the controversy? There's some controversy over, um, I think it was something about game gamers conflicting over what was sexist and feminism in gaming versus those that thought leave them alone. They're just games, you know. You know, yeah. do games objectify women in a certain way and portray them in certain ways or unfavorably or, or things like that? And so they were they were hoping to have this kind of panel discussion mm. where they're going to kind of just let this debate happen. And I guess there was some some hate mail on both sides. They canceled that panel. Then they got hate mail right. for canceling the panel. Yeah. And so they, they brought it back, but they changed the forum of it. So it's, Wasn't know, it's there, there was also a thing where all the gun people were going to, because I guess it's legal to open carry. And I think it's most of, most of Texas, but it is Austin as well. So the, you know, the guys were going to walk around with their pistols mm. in their holsters and shotguns on their back. And <laughs> just because they can, you know, yeah, <laughs> <sighs> All right, so let me get to the list. Uh, right. So the number one tech conference that everyone says they're going to go to is Apple WD. Is I can never say that WWDC. Is there a better way of saying that? Well, you could say WWDC, but then I'd have to slap you. <laughs> I just can never get the W. I just feel like I'm stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> you are WWDC, and that's in San Francisco, and it's number one on the list. Yeah, I thought they were talking about moving that to. I guess, no, I guess they're not. What, yeah. what got moved? Oh, Google I.O. got moved. We never even talked about Google I.O. Uh, that's number three on the list. It's okay. in Mountain View, um, which is up from number four. But Apple is up I bet it's from drop, though, because I bet, it's, I bet Google I.O. will drop because they didn't give away any cool devices this year. You know, oh. usually you get like a, the latest phone or 
Yeah. Whatever. Nothing this year. Maybe. CES was number two in Las Vegas. No, that is that is talk about a shit bit. show. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's, pro- it's probably not as bad now, actually, It because it's shrunk so much. It, that might be because it, it was number six and it, it moved up to number two. Uh, Code Conference is number four. Facebook is number four. They So they tied in ranking. Facebook also, their conference wasn't ranked last year. Goldman Sachs PICC, no idea, but it got ranked um, at number four as well. Uh, Sales or Dreamforce, I keep wanting to say Salesforce. Dreamforce is number seven. And, and that beat out, well, actually it's tied with South by Southwest in Austin. Okay. Um, there's a few others, um, but they're lower on the list. So let's talk about which ones are more, more people skipping. So the top of the list is South by Southwest. Now, how do you measure how people are skipping? Um, they, I think they did a bunch of surveys and talked to people and said, you know, are you going? Are you not going? Are you skipping it? Why? Did you mm. go last year? Are you skipping it? Okay. That kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't really go into all the details on how they collected. I don't even know if they published that. Um, but I'm just reporting the list. All right. Uh, CES <clears throat> was number two for skipping, even though it's number two for attend for attending. Now, when you say skipping, skipping, do you mean they actually get a ticket and go and they just they actually... Don't no, it's going just to... they've, they've either been before and okay. they, they decide they're not going to go. I'm not going I'm at assuming. all. Previous yeah. attendees who aren't going. Yeah. Okay. Um, TechCrunch was number three. Disrupt. Disrupt. Google I.O. is number four on the skipping list. Web Summit. I don't think I've heard of that one. I mean, this doesn't make sense. Like, the biggest conference is obviously also going to have the biggest number of skips. I mean, if you only have you know 2,000 people going to your conference, how many skips can you possibly have? I think it's more, it's not so much about <clears throat> skipping but the ranking, so I guess if they, if they can trend this over time and they can do an, uh, you know, a survey every year and trend it, they can see you know, how it's, you know, any changes they made, how that affects the attendance and all those kind of things. And this is fairly new to them, I think. I think 2015 might have been the first time they did this. So you know, the, over time, I think the rankings will get better. Yeah. Uh, but Salesforce on, or Dreamforce on this ranks number seven. Um, Oracle Open World was number six, so... So more people skip Open World than sales, than Dreamforce, right? Okay, is Java One on there? Uh, no, I think that's because Java One is now at the, it's at the same time. It's kind of part of Open World, so I think they just group it all into Open World, I guess. And it's interesting because Apple is number seven as well. You mean in, ter- in skips? WWDC, WWDC. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a, an effort to say it. WWDC. That's there it. you go, John. You can do it. I can form words. Yeah. Hooked on phonics worked for me. <laughs> John's hooked on phonics. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, I mean, the, depending on the number of, of attendees and things like that, the, the kind of those people that are going to go and skip. Uh, I know you and I debated Dreamforce and we're still debating Dreamforce in terms of attendance. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going. I still haven't bought a plane ticket. That's kind of like you said, that's my final commitment to say, yes, I'm definitely going. So, I thought it was interesting. I, I yeah, I, I'm gonna have to read that because I don't understand this whole skipping thing. What, what don't you understand about skipping? Well, how do they figure out who's skipping? I mean, what does it mean to skip? It just if you don't go, does that skip? Is that a skip? I mean, if you're in the tech industry and there's a conference available that's in your field, and you're not oh, going, so you're assumed you're assumed to go, and if you don't, then you're a skip. Of the people that are surveyed, yeah. Like that's just so weird. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Again, I don't have all the details on how they <clears throat> conducted this survey. In fact, as a follow-up for you, I will, I will research that. All right. I will find out. Uh, so uh, companies like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, they're all struggling. Okay. 
struggling to find ways to make money. Facebook's not. Yeah. You look at Facebook's money? <laughs> Twitter's struggling. Well, in, in terms of that, but there's this whole new push for commerce, and that's going to segue into Salesforce's recent announcement. But um, in, in an article I read, it, it said uh, company, I'll say in general, but Facebook in this particular, I'll read from the post. It says, Facebook was eager to showcase its partnership between Messenger and retail startup Spring. Um, it, you know, I'm not going to read it. Okay. Essentially, the, the, the idea is that they're all trying to get into commerce and trying to get into, you know, being able to buy things within these social media outlets. So actually being able to use your credit card and say, oh, there's an ad for something. Let me buy that right now and click on it. Um, that's kind of what they're struggling with. And I, in my opinion, I think they're struggling with ad revenue as well. Um, I think they're struggling with how to monetize with ad revenue. And I think commerce is kind of the next step of saying, okay, well, maybe we can monetize by tying in the advertising with actually being able to buy stuff so that you're able to actually instantly kind of show value within that that stream of that feed of information. Um, and and it, it's, I guess, I don't know if it's an experiment or if it's this new thing that's coming out where, where they're going to try to, you know, allow that type of transaction to happen in your feed. I don't know. How do you feel about buying stuff directly from your feed? I, I think it might be convenient. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like we have the the Echo, right? And you can buy stuff through it. And I, I find that more gimmicky than anything. It's kind of a novelty. What about the Amazon button? That seems dangerous to me. I would just see my kid going in there and pushing it and I'm on the hook for yeah. 100 bottles of Tide or something. I don't know. Right. Um, no, we don't have the, the, what are they called? The Dash? Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. You know, Twitter's definitely struggling. I mean, they're they're the ones who they they just seem like a total mess. You know, Facebook on the other hand, I mean, I just looked it up. I mean, their their EPS is a, like a buck seventy two. Last year, they net income almost four billion dollars. I don't know what the revenue was. Um, they're giant though, and they're you know, they're the ones that are doing well. In fact, they're taking, a, I think, a lot of, you know, advertising dollars from Google. Hmm. I mean, for a lot of companies, Facebook, I mean, it used to be Ad, AdWords is where you went to do your advertising, and now it's Facebook's a huge place to go for businesses to advertise. AdWords is the default, but Facebook is the new thing because... And Twitter's not even in the ballpark with no, either of them at no. all. no. No, they're struggling with that, I think. You no, know, and, and Twitter's, you know, you can just see them struggling. They've, they've, um, had you know really just brain dead rule changes. They're talking about um, increasing the limit above 140 characters now, which I think is just will be disastrous. It just it really just dilutes what Twitter was. Yeah. Um, they've tried. You know, they brought their old CEO back, and I don't know. It's weird. I I don't know if I. I don't think I would. I don't think I personally would buy through either of those. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about they, they're actually getting involved in the com- in commerce, like right. facilitating the transaction somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I can see where it might be convenient, at least for me as a consumer. You know, I see a product I, I'd be interested in. However, the more I think it through, and more, most most of the time I go to the website and try to do more research. You know, I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I want to know what the return the policy is. I want to know how, yeah, I mean, who am I, I want to know who I'm doing business with. That's one reason why I like, I think people do so much of their business with Amazon because they, they trust it. They know who they're doing business with. They yeah. know what the return policy is. It's very say, easy. The the other half of it is even if I find something I like, the my default is I go to Amazon to see if they carry it and what the reviews are there as well. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I just I just 
gotten to this thing with Amazon where I trust them more, maybe to 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 my detriment, but I kind of do a lot of my business mainly through through Amazon. And if I find a product I like, I go to see if they have it on Amazon. The only problem with Amazon is you really got to pay attention to your model numbers, your serial numbers, you know, whatever, because Amazon will carry a lot of closeout things or a lot of older models or things like that. So you got to be make sure you're buying what you really are want. Well, sure. That's, I mean, they um, can't make sure that for you. You have to make sure that for yourself. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of companies will discontinue a product per, per se, and they don't really care it on their website. So you go to your website, you see a product, and you go, oh, I want that. It has this, this, oh, and this feature. Yeah. It has this new Bluetooth function. Right. That makes it more valuable. I'm yeah. going to buy it now. And you go to Amazon, you, you search, and you see it, or you think you see it, right. and it's the previous yeah. version that doesn't have that, that feature. I don't think that has nothing to do with... That you, you know, you walk into a Walmart or Best Buy, you're going have the same problem, you know. True, I'm just saying. Well, John, have we gotten through all your important topics? Um, depends. Why? Because we're at 47 minutes. Oh, and you wanted to be done quick. Actually, we haven't been recording that long, but I mean, we, we're, but we're getting close. Okay. Well, last item, let's talk about the, the Commerce Cloud, which was announced today, which we really don't have much information on. We only have what was reported since it was recently announced. It's a big acquisition right up there with Exact Target. It's $2.8 billion. What was Exact Target? I don't remember. I think it was like 1.6 or something. So, so yeah, tops that one. Yeah. Uh, and so this is primarily to enable... Now, a, you didn't say who they bought. Uh, uh, they bought uh, Demandware. Okay. Um, so they bought it for $2.8 million. I'm trying to understand how that breaks out, but I believe it's <laughs> stock, cash and stock. I Actually, I think they... <laughs> I think Demandware demanded all cash. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a, They're buying all the remaining shares of Demandware stock, cash. I believe. I know what you mean. Is that I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. <laughs> they're buying all of demandware and they're paying cash for it. Yeah. Okay. That's a better way of saying yeah. it. So yeah, because you, you know what you what you want to lead with when you make an offer is well, we'll um we'll pay you with uh you know twenty percent cash and the rest of it our stock. We'll pay you you know we'll give you shares of our stock. And demandware is like, nah, I'm not going to cut it. <laughs> apparently, it was competitive. Um, well, they paid I don't know premium what they, apparently. What's well, Salesforce? Salesforce, that's what they are. They're all about premiums. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was the premium? Um, so no one, I don't know where this information came from. Uh, it's, this is a Forbes article, so I'm just quanti- clarifying things because the press release didn't mention this. It mentioned the cost, the price of it, but not mm-hmm. the structure of that, how they paid for it in, in detail. Okay. But Forbes is saying, um, let's see, shares in demand were had closed trading on Tuesday at $48, meaning Salesforce agreed to pay a 56 56% premium or about $1 billion to snag the company that includes, you know, includes some other things. But, um, so yeah, I mean, they, they paid a lot. I think I, I think they paid, um, it was 11x sales, right? So to put that into perspective, um, traditional like business, I would say before crazy tech world started, like, and, you know, there's, there's different ways to, there's different ways you can model like an acquisition value of a company. One of them is um, there's different ratios, right? So you can look at what are you paying, you know, for uh, you know net profit. What are you what are you paying for uh, annual revenue, right? So one x annual revenue. I've I've heard you know ten times. I remember back in the days I was involved in some deals and we would we would model it based on you know basically net earnings. So you know ten times earnings, right? It would it would be a typical thing. Which, you know, depending on the profit models of businesses, 
10 times earnings might be like one time sales. It's like if a company, let's say they do, you know, $100 million in business and they have $10 million in profit. Mm-hmm. Um, to buy that company, it might cost you $100 million, like one year sales. Um, in this case, Salesforce paid 11 times sales, which is, I think, the, the, by far like the largest multiple they've ever paid. It was even, I mean, people thought they overpaid for exact target. Yeah. I think this blows that out. So to clarify that their their press release says they paid seventy five dollars per share, Cash. which is two point eight billion, right? Which, when it, when it closed at forty eight, so there's the, that's where they're getting the premium number from. Well, that's okay. You're you're saying yeah, they're from where their stock was currently trading, mm-hmm. right? But, but that you, doesn't factor in their their market cap or anything like that, right? But they're doing about you know what is it? I'll just do a round number two hundred fifty million in sales a year. And Salesforce just paid, by the way, $250 million in sales. And I don't know how profitable they were. I don't think they were, actually. Could be wrong. So you're getting no profit. You get a $250 million in sales a year, and you're paying $2.8 billion for it. So that's, you know. And those guys got it in cash. How, how much do you want to say there was a huge party after that? <laughs> uh, I bet there was. Man, I cannot find, looking for something here. Oh, there we go. Where do you say you read that article? Uh, Forbes. Oh, yeah. Any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. Oh, it took me like five minutes to find that. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I, can I just mention really quick, I think Forbes has just got a little bit creepier. I mentioned this to you earlier, but whenever I get a link and I link to it, I always make sure to, to chop off any kind of, you know when you click on a link from an email or some kind of aggregator or something, it has some kind of marketing um attributes in the url right i always make sure to chop that off so i get just the root url so that i can put that in the show notes yeah so you're not you know contributing to that yeah so i thought i was doing that whenever i was chopping off this what looked like hashtag token thing on forbes Mm -hmm. but every time i went to the article it switched and gave me that a unique url they have such jacked up mechanisms to because i mean heaven forbid you have an ad blocker turned on and you actually get to read one of their articles and so they have, because of that, now they have all this, every time you go to, want to go to Forbes, I mean, they basically, they're breaking the internet. They're breaking the way URLs work. They're breaking everything. So, the, and they, you have to go through this front door mm-hmm. every time that you go to a link, what you think is a link to an article, you know, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, that, that, I mean, I want to say breaking the internet, I mean, that literally, that breaks caching, it breaks all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can spoof it if you, you, know, you can do, there's like Chrome plugins and there's, there's ways that you can refer, um, Referring agent? No. Refer is the, is the I think, the header. I mean, you know, to get past that. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, ah, you jerks. I mean, if this is, if this is the, your only option left to make money, you should just fold that business up. You're done. You've already lost. <laughs> <laughs> but now someone pointed out on our Slack channel um, that, you know, with, with Salesforce paying 11x sales, and really, I mean, if you... If you look at just what their, you know, their net worth is, uh, how much how much of this two point eight billion dollars goes to that goodwill line on Salesforce's balance sheet? It's already what five billion. I mean, it, I would say at least two billion of this has got to be uh, goodwill. What also concerns me is it's cash. It's not it's not stock. It's not anything else. It's and, cash. And I, I, again, I, don't, I, mean, I don't really remember. Q, I'm not hopeful on Q two. I'll have to look at Salesforce's balance sheet to see. I mean, you know, between cash and probably highly liquid 
asset securities and things. I mean, I'm, obviously they can come up with it. Right. But I wonder how much, what, what percentage of their, of their, you know, liquid assets does that deplete? It's a big number. Yeah. I mean, you know, Salesforce, I mean, they're, they're big boys. They, they have, they have assets they can throw around and do yeah, this. And I mean, not, but this is a big one. I mean, this one hurt, this one kind of hurts a little bit. It's like, oh, wallet feels a lot yeah. lighter now. <laughs> You know, they, they probably feel it too. They probably went into this purchase going, it's cash. We think it's the right thing to do. We really need this cloud. It's going to really pay out for us. But at the same time, you know, they're kind of like, you know, when they press that button or or sign that. Exactly. Whatever contract, yep. there, there was de- definitely a, a hmm. little bit of hesitation. It's like when you buy a house and you, you write the check for that 20% down yeah, payment. It's, it's that like, feeling holy you get. cow, that was a lot of it's money. Like, am I really doing this? <laughs> am I really doing this? Let's see. So, comparing to some other things, let's see. Relate IQ. Do you know how much they paid for that? Now, now keep in mind, this is the thing that gave us inbox IQ, right? Yeah, that was a what, like four hundred million or something? Three hundred ninety million. Yep. Yeah. Which I'm like, I look back at that now. I'm like, was that? Could that even possibly have been remotely worth it? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know what they're doing with e- email and sales is a big issue. So I, th- I think it solves a a need, a critical need. It's just whether so, or not it's so funny because there's so many fundamental aspects of email that Salesforce still completely fails at. Yet they're yet they're adding a half a billion dollars in in IQ to, and you still can't do like basic stuff. Yeah, but in in their defense, email is the wrong technology. Well, why did they just invest five hundred? Because people are still using email for the wrong reasons. Companies are still beholden well, then they to should the fix email, their email. You can't you can't play that both ways. They should stop using email and just start using Chatter and Salesforce. Done. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah. And re- okay. Relate IQ, 390 million. That valued, that acquisition valued Relate IQ at 70 times its, re- uh, its recurring revenue, of which of reportedly less than $5 million. So Relate IQ's revenue is $5 million and Salesforce paid $400 million. Again, that was probably an, an aqua hire, but man, that's. That's still a lot of money for them. Did, did, we, did we check to see if uh, Benioff had any investments in? They pro- I didn't check, but he probably does. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, oh, like, he's got it figured out. He's like, cash, sure. He yeah, has, we'll make this happen. He's got the best scheme going. And I don't mean scam. <laughs> I mean scheme. It's like, a, you know, the system, right? He, he he can work the system. Right. It's like, you know, selling girls, selling Girl Scout cookies to their parents or something. It's like, it's like this trapped system. It's like, yeah, <laughs> does this work? Um, in 2012, the uh, Salesforce paid 20 times what Buddy Media was worth. So that's not near as bad, right? What was that for? What did they end up Buddy? turning that into? Um, or did they? Did that become? Did they? Did that become part of Marketing Cloud? I don't know. That didn't become Pardo, did it? Pardot? No, Pardot was its own thing. Okay. In fact, they kept the name. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's Social Studio. I guess that's what they're calling it. Oh, I think that's what, right. Because yeah. Buddy was real social oriented. Yeah. wonder why they didn't keep that name, Buddy. My Buddy, my Buddy, my Buddy, my Buddy. Wherever I go, he goes. I'm surprised they kept part of it. There needs to be a marketing cloud thingy. I don't yeah. Know. Um, so Salesforce expects this acquisition to raise their, re- so they paid $2.8 billion, almost $3 billion. They expected to raise their revenue by 100 to $120 million a year. While reducing their EPS by seven cents, which is a pretty big amount, that does that mean that that must mean that related or not related IQ, but uh, Demandware was losing quite a bit of money. It's going to hurt Salesforce's EPS that much. 
The weird thing is, so demand where I, I read is, is growing at like 24% a year, or that's what they plan to for the next few years, but they were growing at a much higher clip than that, and it's actually dropped off quite a bit. But this, this whole thing, I mean, just continues the story of Salesforce making what you could argue are crazy acquisitions to keep that growth from slowing. Like their overall growth has got to keep growing, right? So they just... I don't know. I don't know how much they, how much, and how much revenue, and I mean revenue growth, right? Because again, profitability at this point still doesn't matter somehow. Hmm. Um, I mean, they're being people are giving them, you know, credit for the revenue growth. Um, yeah. So it was interesting. I mean, I think this is important. I mean, just from a business perspective, this Salesforce is getting, you know, the quote to cash, quote to cash. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes to talk about. I'm really sick of that phrase. Because it just makes it, it seem like there's, there's a checkbox. Oh, do they do quote to cash? Yes. There are 18 million details in between quote and cash. Yeah. And every vendor is going to have dramatically different capabilities along that spectrum. And you really should figure out, you, should, you know, you can't just like in one phrase say, oh, we have quote to cash. <laughs> that is not a Boolean field. <laughs> Starts at Boolean. And it expands with dependent pick lists. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this, I mean, you know, it's like, what's next? I mean, what does Salesforce not do? Well, they don't do, you know, financials and accounting yet. I know, but that's, I would have thought that would have been one of their next major purchases, but they haven't. They haven't pulled that trigger. Maybe because they've seen the financial force code base. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those guys have done more than anybody to to at least advance and share they've they've, written, they've written more bad apex code than anyone, anyone oh. else on the planet <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as good apex code that's what i mean by it have you have you seen the books and stuff on advanced apex and patterns in apex it's 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 like tw- it's like a taking a, a balloon and twisting it into a dog and saying oh look at this dog isn't this pretty okay well it's it's, it's, it's a disaster the, the the intent was valiant and it naming was, naming patterns you know naming conventions that's how you that's how you organize your apex code that's how you modularize <laughs> I love naming conventions uh, makes me feel like I'm in control also I think I think you're being unfair by the way a topic for another time but I think you're being unfair uh, about what uh, financial force and their code obviously that was I was I was just kidding. I've never oh. seen their code. Okay. And no, I mean those guys are smart. You know, got uh, Andy Fawcett and what's this guy's name that went to work for Salesforce now? Um, that used to be. Oh yeah. Uh, um, Chris shoot. Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson, yeah. I think is the name. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I, I'm sure both those guys write good code. I, I was just kidding. I'm just my my point was that was that was a dagger at Salesforce, not at <laughs> not at Financial Force. Um, and I was you know I think this is also again trying to reach parity with Salesforce's competitors. And I, you know, it was, or before exact target, it was the marketing thing. Um, the social thing, that was a phase everyone went through where they either built or bought a social capacity. And, and commerce was one of the big ones left because um, SAP has uh, Ariba and Oracle has... Um, Yeah, they bought someone. Hmm. And those were, I believe both those were really big acquisitions. Bigger than this one, maybe? I'm not sure. But I'm like, I, th- I feel like Ariba was giant, though. Like, they, that was the huge name in e-commerce. Yeah, I don't know who Oracle bought. 
It's just Oracle Micros. Now. It was Micros. Was it? Yeah. And I don't know, you know, how much is it? Is this all just like internet e-commerce e demandware or is it is also like retail? I was getting the sense that a lot of it's re like they have retail, a whole retail it equipment and everything. anymore. Retail is, retail, this, the traditional retail that you thought of before is gone. It's going away. I see so many iPads on retail floors with swipe and all those kind of things. It's, it's I don't know if it's going away. I mean, don't you, like, don't you like when you go to get your uh, growler filled up? So they've got that nice uh, little swipe your card, a little e-commerce system there. Email you the receipt, you know, all that stuff. I prefer just to tap my phone be done with it. That's But that's still point of presence retail yeah. uh, e-commerce or commerce. It's not. I guess it's not e-commerce. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's electronics plugged into the wall, but. <laughs> <laughs> but for power only. Yeah. No, <laughs> interwebs. Yeah. All right, John. I am, uh, once again, second week in a row, I am really short on time. I, we're, I barely squeezed this in. Yeah. So if the show is not long enough, you can blame Jeremy yeah. twice in a row. Sorry. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Ready to get started? The system is down. <laughs> <laughs>